There's Michael and Chase. I'm going to invite you guys up here to speak if you want to. You don't have to, but uh, I've been talking to Michael about this for a little while. Um, I'm awful when it comes to picking against the spread, betting over under. Uh, That's just not my thing. My thing is individual play and individual players in situations in the context of fantasy football, because that is that is what I spend my time on during the NFL season when I'm not watching the Cowboys lose. So, uh, Michael Chase, I got some thoughts here, just uh, some quick hitters. Tuesday night is waiver night. Uh, Chase, I assume you play fantasy football. Michael, I know you don't, but uh, I have some thoughts. There. I just want to hope you guys can help me. I do. Um, I used to be good, but um, this year I suck. So I hopefully I'm helpful. Um, I had some a good run the last three years um, of success, but um, I just can't figure it out this year. So hopefully you're able to get, get me some wins. Yeah, so so I've been playing fantasy football since, I'll say, consistently since my senior year of high school. I didn't play, you know, freshman through junior year because I just knew it would distract me and it would tank my grades. So uh, I started playing senior year. So what? That's I'm on year seven now of playing fantasy football, and I have owned multiple. I've had teams in multiple leagues across many years. Um, and I've won championship. I've won finals parents, won championship. And that was 2019 uh, when I owned Christian McCaffrey. So I wouldn't say I'm good either, Chase. I think I got really lucky uh, in my one year. Um, I, but, uh, you know, it would be a travesty if I didn't win with Christian McCaffrey in 2019. <laughs> it was a good year. So I had a strategy that was my like guiding principle. And it kind of screwed me up because I got lucky, but I thought the strategy was working. So that strategy is not a a, a brand new um, undiscovered strategy. It's just take a quarterback late. So uh, first year I did that was uh, 20, 2019. I took Patrick Mahomes, uh, his MVP year. I believe that was his MVP year, right? That's that's yep yep that's that's a good year. Oh, so it's probably twenty nineteen. That was Lamar Jackson's MVP year, actually. Mahomes was twenty. Um, so i had yeah yeah so i took 2018 i took Mahomes super late Uh, i just bet on andy reed he had crazy stats in the preseason looked great i took him then the next year i had the strategy and i took lamar jackson super late kind of (laughs) my league hadn't caught up to the the cheat code that is uh quarterback rushing yards so i was able to capitalize on that and got him super late and then last year basically just got josh allen and um that was huge for me. I, I wasn't expecting much. I just knew that he would be able to get me some f- high floor with his legs. And uh, he ended up having a nearly MVP season. So I think the taking the quarterbacks late was my guiding philosophy. I did it again this year and I took Matt Ryan um, and just now I'm kind of screwed. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> the lesson I needed to learn was how valuable the quarterback position was. And the lesson I learned was just to never draft them early. Uh, but and in, in all like an honesty, just having a top quarterback won me the last three years, and and I think I'm going to lose this year. Michael, Michael, uh, I know you wanted to hop in there. I know you don't play, but, but well, I do. Uh, I don't play uh, fantasy. That is true. How I'm more of a spreads and totals guy. However, I've learned over the years that listening to these fantasy discussions can give you some insight into how to bet spreads and totals if. Um, if you listen to people who are well-versed in fantasy talk about matchups, 
uh, it informs my opinion about uh, what I might decide to get on for a for a spread or a total bet in a in a game, and uh, I have been doing that for years. I find these useful sort of as you say cheat codes a little bit. Uh, and when somebody's talking about oh I I had to pick up this receiver because he's going up against this corner and it's going to be a mismatch and you know that that's good inside dope. So I uh, I probably won't talk as much as YouTube. I'm going to listen. I'm going to take notes. Sure. No. Uh, and just to give the audience some uh, perspective, I am in multiple leagues. The majority of them are, you know, standard what Chase is talking about. Uh, one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end and a flex where quarterback, you know, isn't as important. It's easier to stream quarterbacks, you know, focus more on running backs, wide receivers. My most intense league, though, is uh, auction style two quarterback super flex. Um, which is just, you know, it, it makes players like Teddy Bridgewater and, um, you know, uh, Carson Wentz relevant as, as players. So I, I will try to keep that discussion to a minimum because I'm sure that it impacts people less so. But uh, I wanted to start off talking about wide receivers. And there's one guy who I'm kicking myself. I didn't notice him sooner and really didn't have him before the season, but Rondell Moore with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, the guy's spectacular. He's only five, eight, but, uh, he's the second rounder out of Purdue, uh, for the Cardinals. And he had a monstrous play this past weekend where, well, I guess it was him and Kyler Murray, where Kyler, you know, escaped the pass rush and threw it off his back foot and Rondale, which is there wide open because the play broke down and took it about 60 plus yards to the house, uh, finished with about 20, 20 fantasy points and a half PPR scoring. And, uh, he had about eight, eight or nine points the first week. And it's the targets that's really interesting for me. He's had more than six targets in both games. And he's clearly the, the number two in what I think is going to be one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. So I typically shy away from non-primary pass catchers in an offense. Like, I would typically want DeAndre Hopkins there. I would want, you know, I own Brandon Cooks because he's the only Texans relevant pass catcher. And he's done great. But I, I'm feeling really good about Rondell Moore this year. And... uh going to do anything I can to get him. He looked great, honestly. Um, he looked explosive, looked like that Tyreek Hill type where he may not. I mean, it was great seeing him get more touches, but even if he doesn't have uh, that many targets or touches, he's still impactful because he can break things um, in uh, any given week. Um, so I, I got worried not drafting him because of the mouths defeat in that offense now that they have A.J., and, and Hopkins, obviously, it, it just felt like um, a huge, crowded, talented wide receiver room. But um, he definitely plays a specific role for them that I think they need. Um, and, and, and Cliff, I think, is looking creative enough this year where he'll, he'll put him in situations to, to, get, to get the ball in space. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's not the best X's and O's guys, but he is a very fantasy-friendly head coach. He likes to air it out. He likes to let his players play. Um and, you know, when you don't manage a game very well, it also opens up your team to more opportunities to score. Um, and I want to correct myself real quick. Rondell Moore only had five targets in week one, but he had four catches on five targets week one, 68 yards, 17 uh, average yards per catch. And then obviously the big week uh, on Sunday, big day on Sunday, seven catches, 114 yards, 16.3 average, 20.9 fantasy points and a half PPR scoring. Um, I think... Uh, Rondell Moore is uh, cream of the crop. I think he, he should be able to sustain top 30 
wide receiver fantasy production uh, the rest of the season. And I think that's really funny you say Tyreek Hill, Chase, because I didn't know if I was overstepping or exaggerating by thinking that, but I had that exact thought when I, I didn't watch the game live. Um, but when I saw that play, I thought of Tyreek exactly. And, and if you can remember back to three, four years ago, before Tyreek was established, um, I don't think he was the number one option in that offense. Um, that it was actually, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on who the number one option was. Obviously, Travis Kelsey has been there, but it was, you know, similar feelings with Tyreek where, look, he's explosive. Can he get the consistent target share? He's not the number one option and talent just prevailed there. So we'll see what happens with Rondale. No, 100%. Talent, talent tends to win out, and especially if you see it early with a rookie, um, that, that translates into productive careers and productive seasons. Like picking up Justin yeah. Jefferson last year would be a similar example. Like he just he popped right away. He could get he could get separation. He could make plays. It's just clear early. Yeah, uh, I completely agree. Um, Mike Williams. I'd like to talk about Mike Williams. Uh, he was more, I think, a post week one discussion because I'm sure he's been scooped up. He was already probably rostered. Has been scooped up. Um, he seems he seems legit I, in uh, so- uh, Los Angeles. No, 100%. I'm, I'm a Keenan Allen owner. He's been gobbling up a lot of the meaningful targets. Keenan well, still produces, but I, I think when, when Justin gets into those situations where he relies on his arm and the pocket breaks down, he's looking for Mike just to throw the ball up to. Yeah, well, I'm so frustrated because I do this every year, Chase. I stash. So, so I always go RB heavy, running back heavy, mainly because one year um, I – so it was a year where I went wide receiver heavy – a couple years ago, I had Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas. Uh, I was able to get both of them in, in the auction format, and they ended up wide receivers one and three. My running backs were Le'Veon Bell and Marshawn Lynch. It was the year Le'Veon ended up holding out the entire season. Uh, and then Mar- Marshawn got out for the season in week three, and I owned James Conner, oh, so I, you know, I had the handcuff there. But he was no Le'Veon, and I remember just you know dumpster diving for running backs because they're so much harder to replace and, and stream. Uh, so I've always gone uh, running back heavy. Um, and then, so I'd like to take flyers on wide receivers and the, th- the two guys, the past three years or so, two, three years have been Marquise Brown and Mike Williams that I, they were rotting on my bench and just keeping up roster spots. But I was like, you know what? These guys are so talented. Corey Davis is another one, three guys who were electric in college drafted highly, really talented, had the opportunity in their offense and just for some reason can never give it, get it together. And uh, I gave up on all three this year, and and all of them have been excelling, but especially Marquise Brown, which just honestly pisses me off because I, it's, he's doing what I thought he could do. I don't know why it took so freaking long. And now Mike Williams, who I think is more talented than Keenan <laughs> Allen and is proving it, um, I think those are two lethal offensive weapons that are going to help both of those quarterbacks. Um, you know. How much do you think of that? those three guys and how, like, quarterback dependent um their success is i mean obviously you've seen justin herbert become i think at at the very least a top 10 quarterback in the nfl um looks like he'll stay that way throughout the year how how much do you think mike williams's success has has come at the heels of uh herbert's development well i'm sure part of it but you know keenan allen we talked about it was a very uh relevant wide receiver for a very long time. I know Philip isn't as much of a gunslinger. He likes those shorter routes, but um, one, one is injuries for Mike Williams. Uh, 
But, I mean, how much is Herbert? I would say probably 30, 40% of it. The rest, I think, is just him staying healthy. And um, I think he's probably also just gotten to become a better route runner and, and, and better uh, in space. Um, you know, that touchdown this past week against the Cowboys was something I don't think he could have done a couple years ago. Um, Marquise, I agree. Marquise, I agree. Uh, it was quarterback situation. I remember last year watching the Browns, or not Browns, Ravens-Chiefs game at the start of the year uh, when I think the – I know the Chiefs won. I don't remember by how much, but, you know, Lamar just couldn't make throws. And I don't think Lamar's that much better of a thrower this year, though. So I, I'm confused. I haven't admittedly watched Marquise enough uh, this year, but I'm not really sure what it is there. And then and then Corey Davis, uh, you know, he did come on strong last year once Ryan Tannehill got his groove. Um, and Zach Wilson's obviously a downgrade there, so so we'll see. But obviously, quarterback uh, plays a big factor in a receiver's productivity, just like offensive line for running backs. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's that's usually how I look at it. I owned Marquise um, last year, and he was like a this week or that week type of guy. Um, and I, I think it's not like their offense has changed too much. I just know that without like a one a 1A or one B back really um, they're relying on a lot of sets in which they're getting the quick passing game involved. And he's been featured in a lot of those out routes because he's just so fast and just getting the ball in space. Um, another one of those guys that's had success um, in that offense. Yeah. Um, one, one guy I want to run by you because he is Mr. Frustrating. Um is Cordell Patterson. Um, do you think this is just a flash in the pan? Is he worth money on the waivers? I, I, I have no, I'm a Falcons fan. He was like the fulcrum of a crappy offense, but, but scoring a lot of points. And, and I, I don't think they totally trust Mike Davis. It really feels like Arthur Smith has this, like, let's get Cordell Patterson. It's like all like, he's like the apple of so many weird coaches eyes where, like he was with the Patriots, and they're like, "We'll make him a running back." And then he go, "Where was he last when he was a running back?" And he's uh, he, he's he's been in Minnesota, he's been in Chicago. Um, yeah, I think Chicago really wanted to run. Like people just have this fascination with him running the ball. Which, hey, like it's fine. I never see him breaking totally long runs, but I think Arthur Smith may have unlocked him a bit, or it could have just been a lucky week. But he he was like a part of every drive in a meaningful way against a good Bucks defense. Yeah, so this is where, um, admittedly, and I'll say that a lot, I don't watch as much football as I would like to to be as informed as I need to with these fantasy decisions. A lot of the time, it's me looking at the box scores, reading a game summary, and looking at not necessarily pure output, but opportunity. I like for receivers, I all, I mean, receptions matters, but more than anything, I always look at targets. And for running backs, I look at not just uh, attempts, but snaps played on the field, like snaps uh, in the offense. Because I think you'll have guys that, for whatever reason, they may be in there the whole game, like Najee Harris in week one, for example. Uh, I was a little hesitant about him after week one because the lack of productivity, but he played 100% of the snaps. And that opportunity manifested this past week. Um, so I haven't watched a lot of Cordero Patterson. I haven't watched any of him. Um, but I'm I'm stunned about his productivity because I was really high on Mike Davis as a value play coming into this year because I thought he was alone in that backfield. And when he's been alone in a backfield, he's been a top 15 fantasy running back. Um, and maybe, maybe he's the real deal, but uh, you know, I got to do a little more research tonight, but 
um, as as Michael will uh, probably attest to, I think it would be tough to trust any Falcons player this year on a consistent basis. Uh, Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. I'll say this about Cordell <laughs> Patterson. I mean, so I much talent there. Uh, you're right that he has been the apple of a lot of a coach's eyes. Everybody thinks they're going to fix what's wrong with him. And what's wrong with him really is not doesn't run routes well enough uh, to be a reliable receiver. So much talent. Uh, that's why they've used him on kickoff returns, why they've considered him a running back. Uh, and as just a guy, if you can get him the ball, he can do something spectacular with it. But he isn't always uh, in the spot on the field where the quarterbacks expect. I think one of the interceptions Ryan threw looked like it was try- he was trying to find Patterson, and Patterson wasn't where he was expecting him to be. So, uh, danger Will Robinson on on any Atlanta Falcon, but especially. Yeah. Um, no, I trust me. I, I can't quit the Falcons. I I need to stop. Just I need to divest everything I Zach, have. Zach, you may have to betting. tackle him too. um i've already i've already cut matt ryan from my team he will not be making any more fantasy appearances for me i just i watched that whole game and and i I was really impressed with him i thought he was getting open i thought they were running a lot of screen action for him that could be totally non-existent next week but he may be worth a dollar or two if you play in an auction fantasy uh waiver wire league yeah um uh, that's that's a good segue actually let's pivot to quarterbacks um like like i'll i'll add um this will probably be a way more productive conversation to talk about it from a one qb league perspective the only quarterbacks available on waivers in my league right now are uh davis mills and the injured tyrod taylor and uh ryan fitzpatrick um which just isn't isn't the norm for for most leagues um uh, so, so Chase, if you dropped Matt Ryan, did you have a backup? Uh, and if not, you know who's who's available on waivers in in your league. So I dropped him week one, and I picked up Darnold, um, which I was very excited about. Yeah, I, I I think he's really comfortable in this offense. Uh, I, I I think there's gonna I I really bet we me and my, Michael talked. I bet the over in that Saints game, which unfortunately didn't hit. Not not no fault of the Panthers. Um, the Saints were to blame on that, but I think this Panthers offense. He's got the goods and he's empowered. I'm I'm all in on Joe Brady. I, so I just I I feel like the turnovers are are still in the back of my mind going to come and haunt me with him. But for the most part, the way that offense is set up, it's a lot of screen passes. It's a lot of quick quick action. Christian McCaffrey's involved early, um, getting the ball out in space to some of the playmakers. So. I think we're a little bit safe on Darnold throwing a few picks. Um, and that's why I went with them. Yeah. Um, I, so a couple quarterbacks to be mindful of. Um, so one, I think Teddy Bridgewater's a good safe option. I think he is matchup dependent, but I don't think Teddy's going to be a guy who's going to give you, I, I don't think you'll lose a week because you start Teddy Bridgewater. I think you'll almost never win it, but you, you lose a week at quarterback if your quarterback scoring sub 14, 15 points. Um, you know, he's like the reverse Daniel Jones. Two hey, guys that are probably open to, on your waiver wire this week. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me started on Daniel Jones. He's he, he derailed my fantasy season last year because for some reason I talked myself into him. I kept throwing him out there. Even after I picked up Justin Herbert, I was starting him over Justin Herbert because I wasn't watching <laughs> 
the games because I wasn't watching the Chargers because I was back in Dallas uh, during COVID. I wasn't able to watch a lot of Chargers football. I would see the Giants because NFC East and had you know, but but it looks like Daniel Jones is is better than he was. And Michael, this maybe you can just chime in where the the pr- issue I have with Daniel Jones is when you watched him last year, he just looked bad and he has bad makes bad decisions. It, is that not an issue anymore? Like, can we start trusting him to not make dumb decisions? Well, he certainly looked sharp last Thursday. I, I thought that was maybe the best game he'd ever played. Unfortunately, the team around him wasted it with too many dumb penalties. But uh, considering he's playing behind a line, I consider bottom five in the league. I thought he was very poised in the pocket. He threw some real lasers. Um, now, it was mostly short stuff. Uh, his total yards for the game passing was about 249. Obviously, he gave you a lot of yards with his legs, too, which he's another one of these quarterbacks who get you those extra fantasy points with his legs. Uh, but no turnovers from him. That's the big thing that's probably cost you in fantasy with him is he, he's very much a turnover machine the first two years. I don't know if he's completely past that. He's playing Atlanta this week, so the defense shouldn't get much pressure on him. So I would, I, I would think this week you're, you're, looking, you're looking sharp with Daniel Jones. I don't know if I trust him to just uh, magically give up the turnovers. Remember, we watched in week one, James Winston and Jalen Hurts both magically have no turnovers. This past week, we saw much more of the same old Winston and to a lesser extent, a little bit of the same old hurt. So, you know, buyer beware, but I do, I do feel like Daniel Jones is getting some, some better weapons around him. Uh, the addition of Galladay, uh, I would talk about Shepard, but for that horrific drop he had and when he was 30 yards wide open uh, for a gimme touchdown and blew it. But uh, I would say the Daniel Jones, of all the quarterbacks you've mentioned available, you know, maybe in the league, he's probably the, the prize of the of the. Yeah, I, especially if, this is a, the week to, to pick him up, really. I, I This Falcons defense just is abhorrent and they made Jalen Hurts look like Lamar Jackson combined with Patrick Mahomes. So Daniel Jones is going to have a pretty high floor rushing the ball, I think um, against this Falcons team. So he's, he's worth a start this week going forward. It's, it's, it's anyone's guess on how he's going to hold on. Yeah. um, That's, you know, it's a surprise, but honestly, I think, you know, Daniel Jones, uh, you know, he finished as a top five fantasy court. He finished as a QB five in fantasy his rookie year, just out of, uh, you know, pure garbage time. So, you know, it was never because of his, his legs. So it was never out of the realm of the possibilities that he could be this productive. One guy that I am pleasantly surprised is through two games, Derek Carr has looked really solid against what I thought coming into the season, two good defenses. Ravens, I'm not so sure now, um, you know, with the amount of points they've been giving up, but I mean, at least the Steelers. I is Derek Carr for real? Is 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 this Raiders offense going to air it out, or is this is this a fluke once again? Well, I told you when we talked in the preseason that I'm a Derek Carr guy. I I really do think he's a sneaky, you know, tenth best quarterback in the league, something like that. You know, he's obviously played on some bad teams. <laughs> the Raiders. Uh, he had he had one very good season in 2016 where I think he was at least on the first page of the MVP discussion before he hurt his leg and the last couple of years he's given you a QB rating uh, in the high 90s 98 99 
And yeah, 817 yards passing in the first two weeks with his uh, first running back banged up and not a lot of running production. Uh, I mean, it's on a pace to throw for more than 6,000 yards. You'd have to, you'd have to like him. No, he doesn't throw a lot of bombs, but you got one uh, with rugs in that Steelers game. And that's a legit Steelers defense he was throwing against. I don't know about the Ravens defense yet. I'm not, I'm not sold on it. They have given up 68 points in two games. But, uh, but the Steelers defense I know is good, and, and he played fantastic. I think he might have been you know, in the discussion for player of the week. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on Derek. Yeah, so, so, okay. So, I mean, have, have the Raiders unlocked uh, Henry Ruggs finally, Michael, or is, is, was that a flash in the pan? Oh, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't count on that. Okay. He is certainly That's, somebody that... who is capable of giving you that kind of deep threat, big play, but uh, we're going to have to see that more consistently. I, I wouldn't name him a, another Tyreek Hill just yet. Okay. Um, Chase, any, anything to add on that? I think I'm, I'm going to go down the line here and see a, a few more names, and then, and then we can maybe wrap this up. You, know, we can, you can never you know, get all of the intel in, in one pod, but I think we've been hitting on some of the big subjects. But uh, anything else you want to throw in here? I think as long as Josh Jacobs um, is out, I think he's a, a really strong uh, fantasy quarterback. Just I, I do like that skill position group more than most people. Um, I, I like obviously everyone likes Waller, but Ruggs is is really good, and uh, Renfro is is looking really sharp and getting open in the red zone. So I think they'll have some opportunities to put up big numbers. Uh, the offensive line is holding up so far. Uh, and they've gone against some good defenses. So we'll, we'll see um, going forward, but I, I'm bullish. Yeah. Um, sorry, that was my uh, Google Calendar notifications in the background. I'm still sitting at my home office desk. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, I think we, there's been a slight shift in the tight end hierarchy. I think that's something to consider, maybe not from a, a waiver claim perspective, because most of these tight ends are are, are taken. but um Travis Kelsey you know remains the king uh Dar- Darren Waller is is I would say a safe number two but uh I would say TJ Hawkinson's the third best uh tight end now um from a fantasy perspective at least uh George Kittle maybe from a talent is no better but what do you think what about, about Gronk oh my gosh <laughs> well you know I just he's on pace for 32 touchdowns you can't take that seriously <laughs> it's crazy I, I have no idea what to make of Gronk but to be honest with you, I would start him every week. I mean, he's Brady loves him. He's in great shape. He's there's so many players on this Bucks team. It's there's a lot of mouths to feed, but him and Antonio Brown fall into the same bucket of well, athletically, I think they're still there. I mean, they're not quite in their prime, but their reasons for kind of being viewed as over the hill have have less to do with like where their bodies are at and more to do with like weird circumstances. Obviously, Antonio Brown's got a a lot of craziness off the field that we don't have to get into, but Rob just took a year off and he's such a party animal that you just kind of figured he was just like coming back for shits and gigs. But I mean, the guy is so freaking talented and Brady loves him. He he might be a, a top five. Well, you know, you can never discredit a, a connection. It was why for years, Jordy Nelson, Jordy Nelson was talented, but he was always such a fantasy lock because Aaron loved him. And I think, you know, Devontae Adams is obviously amazing, but that's just another boost uh, on Devontae. Um, some some deep sleepers here. Uh, I think 
it it'll be it'll be tough. You know, I, I had one, I had one in my head, and and I just lost it. But um, or Cephas, Cephas with the Lions. Um, I think that's he's an interesting guy. Um, obviously, Tyra Williams has been out. Uh, Jared Goff, I think, will be able to be a serviceable fantasy quarterback. Um, and and I will say with uh, Elijah uh, Mitchell hurt again. Um, I think it opens up an opportunity for Trey Sermon to to maybe come through for what we were hoping in the preseason. Um, but other than that, it looks kind of bleak for, you know, running backs you can just stash. Um, stash and hope they, they pay off and pop at the end. Uh, unless, you know, unless you own Alexander Madison and, and uh, Dalvin goes down sometime. Uh, but it's it's been a while since I've been this pessimistic about a future running back opportunity. I kind of like Sony Michelle. I don't know if he's available okay. in a lot yeah, of leagues, that's... but he's obviously with the Henderson injury and, and where he may or may not start against the Bucks. I, I kind of like what they were running with Michelle there. Uh, I just trust McVay to scheme open a running back, and uh, he could be worth some some valuable points in a big week. Yeah, uh, Michael. Just so you kind of have context. You know, a lot about fantasy football is um, is is finding extracting the most value out of any player uh, possible. And you know, you'll have your draft where uh, the majority of your points are going to come from your first two or three picks, as long as you get them right. You know, Christian McCaffrey's universally the first pick, um, but in in the first one you have you have guys like Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, um, who's who's another. Perennial first oh, round. Derek Henry's got to be right up there. Yeah, right? exactly. Derek Henry, like you know that the the pecking order of the past two three years has been Christian McCaffrey, Derek Henry, Alvin Kamara, uh, Zeke a little less so. Um, but you know those are guys that uh, because it because of positional scarcity that there's only thirty two starting running backs and less than half of those actually have a full backfield to themselves. By far the scarcest position is running back. So. Uh, just having a bell cow running back is one thing, and then having an elite one's another, which is why running backs typically go off the board first. Um, and so you, you invest all that equity in those elite players, but then you have to round out your roster. You know, you may be starting Christian McCaffrey as your first running back, but if you took McCaffrey in the first round, you maybe picked wide receivers in the second and third round, and you were maybe looking at Mike Davis as your second starting running back. Um, and so that's obviously not what you want to be the strongest team possible. So sometimes people will like someone probably owns Tony Pollard uh, in a lot of leagues, hoping Ezekiel Elliott gets hurt because if Ezekiel Elliott gets hurt, Tony Pollard slides right in there and is a top 10 fantasy running back. And you paid the price of a 15th round pick. So that that's kind of uh, a strategy to winning a season um, is so one it's luck, but you have to position yourself for that luck as in, are, it's called lottery tickets. Are you buying the right lottery tickets? Um, an example for me is I drafted, we had our draft mid-August, uh, and I drafted Gus Edwards. This was before J.K. Dobbins got hurt. Uh, I drafted Gus Edwards at the end of the draft, and then J.K. Dobbins gets hurt. Um, and then all of a sudden, I was looking at a potential top 15 fantasy running back, the lead running back in the Ravens offense. Um, and then, of course, uh, he got hurt. But that's how that's how you go from a good fantasy roster to a great roster. So um, I, I liked Chase's point about Sony Michelle as, as a guy, you know, uh, right now, Daryl Henderson's the guy in, in, in the Rams offense, but if something happens to him, that's an explosive offense and you can get, you know, 
12 to 15 points per game from that starting running back. Um, didn't mean to go on a monologue there, but I always think it's, you know, for diehard football fans starting to play fantasy football, it's kind of a, an adjustment mentally for what matters and what are priorities. Arguing in- yeah, that's completely inverted from how say, it, NFL draft goes, where they're looking for the running backs in the later rounds, because aside from your Derek Henry's and your Dalvin Cook's and your Alvin Kamara's and, and, you know, just a few really special guys, running backs these days are kind of viewed as interchangeable. Well, and, and even then, yeah. even if you have a Derrick Henry or, um, you know, Saquon Barker is a perfect example. Even if you have one, uh, they last tops three to four years at their peak level. Um, but that doesn't matter for a fantasy owner who redrafts a team every year. So that unless you're in a dynasty league, that long term aspect doesn't matter. So that's why. So that's when it comes purely down to positional scarcity and then high end production within that scarcity, if that makes sense. If, if you can only start two running backs a week, uh, Christian McCaffrey is averaging more points per game than almost half the fantasy quarterbacks. And, uh, he's, you know, he's averaging 22 points per game and half PPR. And typically a good running back averages 12 to 13 points. So any given week, if you have Christian McCaffrey, you're looking at a nine point advantage right off the bat, as opposed to, yes, if you own Patrick Mahomes, you know, he's the best quarterback in real life, but you know, Teddy Bridgewater scored 22 fantasy points this past week and Patrick Mahomes scored 24. If you had Teddy Bridgewater, you know, you only lost that head to head by two points. If that makes sense for you, Mike. That makes perfect sense. And, and he, he was going up against the Jacksonville defense, which made him, uh, you know, a good a good start last week, and of course this week he goes he goes up against the Jets defense. He'll probably give you another good week in production. Yeah, uh, Chase, uh, I, I know I kept going there. Did you want to chime in on something there? No, I mean Mike Michael's point is true. Like they're inverted for a reason. Like because the league has started to value running backs less and less, and view backs as interchangeable, and and use multi, like crowded backfields. The, the some the few teams that either have a running back good enough to justify it or are kind of dumb and and just pay a lot of money for a running back those are the players um that you you have to snatch up because value at that running back position is huge um and and having some because you, you have to start at least two um in in any league um so you have to have a lot of production from that from that slot yeah um from a, I mean, just, just to bookend that, you know, one thing that nobody ever wants to talk about or just really isn't interesting is, is defenses. But from a fantasy perspective, um, you know, I drafted the Broncos defense just because I saw their week one opponent um, was, who did the Broncos play in week one? They played Giants. Uh, sorry? Giants. They got, they yeah, got yeah. a really so, easy yeah. September schedule. They had Giants, Jags, and now Jets. Yeah. And so I, I remember... You know, on, on draft day, some people will pay up to get, you know, the Buccaneers defense or, um, you know, the 49ers defense is always a popular one. I just look at the week one schedule and who I want to play against. And I saw the Giants um, ended up with the Broncos. And then, you know, even though I drafted Trevor Lawrence, I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't deny the reality that the Jags offense isn't going to be very good. And then you put Denver out there uh, in week two and they did well, too. Um, I'm a little surprised the Colts defense hasn't held up as well as I would have thought. But, um, much, you tougher. know, I, uh, they had to open against the Seahawks and the Rams. Yeah. That's a tough yeah. deal. So, 
So, for, you know, from a fantasy perspective, I think the play of the week will be the, the Panthers defense. They should be on waivers um, as, as much as, you know, Michael, I'm sure you and I are pulling for Davis Mills. It's probably not going to be pretty Thursday night. And uh, I, th- I think I'm on Carolina and Survivor <laughs> this week, knowing what I know now. And poor Tyrod Taylor. Guy has the worst injury luck. I mean, at least no doctor yeah. stabbed him with a syringe this time, but it's still, it's just yeah. every year he has another misfortune. But uh, yeah, Davis, you know, I, I, I think there's some long-term talent there, but I think it's asking a lot for him to come in and, and captain that roster uh, against a defense in Carolina that's looking pretty strong right now. I mean, they finally, we're finally seeing the fruits of a few years of drafting defense, defense, defense in Carolina. And uh, yeah, they really worked the Saints over. Michael, not to spoil any of your future picks, but I've been looking at that Thursday night line going back and forth. My book's got a hook on it, so it's a seven and a half. It's seven and a half. Me yeah, I mean, uh, great teaser play if you got anything to tease it with. Uh, I've been thinking maybe we'll put our heads together and, and figure yeah, something let's out talk, for that. Yeah, uh, let's reconvene on Thursday and see where it goes. I would expect. Zach, sorry to only. <laughs> sorry to no, 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 no. It's it's great great to mix it in here. I don't discriminate against sports talk, so it's yeah. love to hear it. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I'd have to get on Carolina and Survivor and probably Denver against the Jets. That's looking like my two picks this week. Uh, Denver finally getting to play a home game at altitude. Jets uh, quarterback just looks looks a little lost right now. And I think another good defense, he's going to struggle. Yeah, well, I mean, even after losing Jerry Judy, that Broncos offense has been, you know, serv- a little more than serviceable, you know. Uh, they have weapons there, Fant, Sutton. Um, you know, and then you have Melvin and uh, Javante Williams in the backfield. So, uh, you know, Teddy's not one of the more explosive quarterbacks, but like I said, he's actually one of the few quarterbacks where his fantasy uh, standing aligns with him in real life. Uh, he's never going to be your first pick. Um, he's, he's never going to be a guy you put out there to, you know, to pull your team together, but he's also never going to be the reason you lose a game. And, and he will always make, you know, you look like a smart guy for bringing him in. So uh, I, that's one of the few times that that those two align. I, yeah. a, def- a defense I really love playing is is the Patriots defense. Well, it's so easy because that them. division. It's so easy. Yeah, I mean, Bel- you obviously have a brilliant mind of Belichick coaching it up, and a lot of young quarterbacks in the division. Whether it's Tua or I guess Jacoby or whatever happens there you've got at least a few more games um, against inexperience at the quarterback position. And I think the defense is just legitimate. Like they have a great front four and the secondary is really talented. Hopefully you get Gilmore back at some point, but you you still have JC Jackson just flying all over the place. I think it's a, a turnover uh, uh, heavy defense. That's going to just be really good. Month. Yeah. And guess who's coming to town on Sunday, James Winston. Yeah, so that opportunistic defense is going to be uh, is going to be on on the hunt against Jameis Winston on Sunday. So, yeah, well, and, and you know, Michael, historically with fantasy football defenses, like I said, are are not the sexy pick. They're not even you never want to roster more than one at a time, uh, and because of that, you know, they're the biggest roster churn. People will pick up a defense for as a matchup play and then drop them, and and that's typically how it should be. You'll have the rare occasion like the twenty seventeen Jags defense or you know, the Niners uh, a couple years ago. But even through all of that, the one defense that is consistently rostered throughout a season is the Patriots because especially 
uh, pre-Josh Allen, really pre-Josh Allen last year. Uh, the Patriots had six games a year against, frankly, putrid offenses. Uh, Dolphins, Dolphins twice, Jets twice, and, uh, and Buffalo twice. And so that's, that's six starts mm-hmm. you're guaranteed uh, to put your defense out there uh, a year. And then typically the Patriots have three or four other matchups, and you can actually one of arguably the only defense you can just slot into your uh, lineup every week and, and not be too concerned. Um, but I doubt chase that the Patriots defense is on waivers in your league. No, I, I have them. I, I, I yeah, they okay. were one of, Bam. I think my, my second highest uh, scoring uh, player last week, which is probably says a lot more about my team than anything, but they did have four interceptions. So those are a good week. Yeah. Yeah, uh, thank Zach Wilson for that. Um, well, on that note, I, I you know we're starting to spill into to spreads and picks and stuff that I really am, am not equipped to handle, and that's what I, I listen to you. We'll for. be talking about that Friday at five o'clock. I'm yeah, good, uh, Newman Zone is that is that, <laughs> is that Newman Zone end zone or is that uh... Newman Zone end zone Friday at five o'clock? And I don't know, Chase, when you and Shrimp are going to go live with your thing. Maybe tomorrow, maybe Thursday. Uh... Me, Shrimp, and Jack are going to go Thursday uh, before okay. the game. So, okay, so we'll, uh, we're, we're finalizing we'll talking it. Talking on Thursday uh, and, big, and continue the conversation Friday. We'll have all the the poop on the spreads and the totals. But this this is always an informative thing to listen to. I uh, I like to hear people who who do look at this from like the individual matchup perspective, and you can see how the schools of thought can kind of start to to dovetail between between the, yep. the individual matchups you like, and then therefore the team matchups that you think are favorable. Uh, so I find it very informative yeah. and I'll be uh, trying to listen in and get all kinds of good uh, Intel from you guys. No, f- for sure. Well, uh, cliff notes to wrap things up. If you're looking for a wide receiver, target Rondell Moore running back Corderell Patterson. You should have a couple options at quarterback. If you're in a one QB league, Derek Carr, uh, Daniel Jones, and, and maybe Teddy Bridgewater. It all depends on, uh, what your team needs, but not Matt Ryan. I think it's safe to say. Um, and, and then, and then, and then, as a defensive pickup, oh, uh, never Panthers if they're not already. If someone wasn't already stashing them, I, I think they're a must out of the week. Uh, well, this was you know my first segment of fantasy fallout. Uh, I think it went pretty well. So maybe we'll run this back again. We'll we'll see how many uh, listens it gets. But Michael Chase, as always, thank you for chiming in, uh, hopping on, and uh, uh, teaching me some stuff too. Oh, thank you, Zach. This is awesome. Michael, appreciate the conversations always with you. Always. It's good to talk. Uh, we'll, we'll pick it up later in the week. Thanks, Zach. Have a good night, everybody. Bye.